0: Stuff
1: live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm Justin Poole and With me is John Duke and well the Celtics laid an egg last night against the Phoenix Suns and it was funny because what a nice comeback and lots of young players getting minutes. I'm not sure Jordan Mickey did anything to secure his future with the Celtics with some extended time on the floor. Definitely looked horrendous offensively in the post. But we'll get into all of that. They let it slip away. They definitely should not have let it slip away once they took over. It hit Some free throws. It's a win. I had the week wrong, John. I said they'd go 2-2, two and two, but I completely picked the opposite games. Not a not a win against Atlanta, a loss, which I think you predicted. Then we look at the Cleveland game, and I said, all right, the Celtics uh, are going to lose that one. And fabulous game, entertaining, nice win. They closed the gap. They had an opportunity to close it even further with that win again, with a win against Phoenix yesterday that they didn't get and should have. I also predicted a loss against the Lakers. I said first on the road. Look at what happened against Sacramento just a month or so ago on the last road trip, how it killed them. But they come out and Jalen Brown's probably finest performance in Celtics green and they wind up knocking down the Lakers and your boy Brandon Ingram. I did see you on Twitter. Kind of defending Brandon a little bit when the Jalen Brown versus Brandon Ingram battle came up, you had to know I, I had a little uh, mm, when I read that.
0: Well, I no, I, you know, I would I, I wasn't I wasn't really saying that in comparison as much as you know. I think I was just trying to say, look, I mean, let's not give up on the guy yet. I mean, come on, he's playing for, for a dumpster fire of a franchise. Wasn't that great just to say that? That just felt really good. Um, but, I mean, they really are. The Lakers are horrible, dude. The owners are suing each other. The Buck family hates each other. They brought in that. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. And, and then forget about what's on the court. And, you know, poor Luke Walton is trying to figure it all out, but his team is trash, dude. And do you you think he regrets taking the
1: head coaching position and leaving Golden State? I mean, I know. He did an excellent job at the beginning of last season coaching in Steve Kerr's stead. But maybe he would actually prefer to be an
0: assistant coach still. Well, I, I probably I wouldn't go that far. But I think there's certainly he's, – he's rethinking the whole profession right now. <laughs> That's probably what I'd say. I mean, he just <laughs> – it's terrible. I feel so bad for the guy. You know, it's just why do I want to do this? My guys aren't even – you know, they're not competing. Would you, there would was, you feel
1: bad for him if he wasn't Bill Walton's son? I mean, just that little thread no, of a Celtics connection <laughs> after being, playing with the Lakers. Otherwise, I don't even think you'd even feel bad for him. You'd just... Not you'd, at all. You, no, you wouldn't. I'd be glad. It has everything to do with Bill Walton. I know it does.
0: No question about it. Everyone loves Bill Walton. If you don't love Bill Walton, you hate basketball and you hate life. So that's that's hyperbole. talk about Bill Walton, it's got to go right to hyperbole. So yeah, no, I, I that's that's totally the way it is. I mean, I, I would be t- I would be absolutely willing to just kind of ah, who cares, you know, poor guy. But it's Bill Walton. You got to root for Bill. And and you know, if you read there was some, there was a great article that Baxter Holmes wrote in ESPN about how you know Luke Walton grew up basically in Boston and in, in, in large part and had a really formative year here when when. Uh, Bill was traded to the Celtics as part of that Cedric Maxwell deal. And it was, it was really great just to see how he kind of get integrated, not only just with the team, but also particularly with Larry and how Larry kind of took to those, the Walton boys and, and Luke in particular. So I have, there's a little, little soft spot even for the, the Lakers head coach, but it is still the Lakers. And as I said, I mean, Ingram, I don't think his career is over because he hasn't had a great rookie year. But clearly, clearly, Jalen Brown has leaped ahead of him, and really, just about anybody else in his rookie class in terms of their ability to compete. I, I don't. And, and, well, and that's what's so funny. Level.
1: I don't mean to jump on you, but it was don't only me. a month ago that we were talking about Joel Embiid and a little bit of a fight with the Twitterverse. I think John Corralis and I both agreeing that yeah. maybe somebody who is not truly first year out of college should be considered. And we already debated that. We won't rehash it. But the point was or the point is that I'm making is Embiid was a runaway favorite for Rookie of the Year. Now all of a sudden he goes down injured and the conversation immediately shifts to whether or not Jalen Brown could get the nod and look at him in the starting role and now here we see Avery Bradley out now with a hammy, not with the Achilles and supposedly unrelated, and I'm, I'm sure it's unrelated to a point, you know. There's always the toll that the body takes from not having been conditioned and then coming back and trying to get into game shape or compensating for an injury. Who knows? They might be completely unrelated. At the end of the day, Avery Bradley's inability to stay healthy is giving Jalen Brown an opportunity to play 25-plus minutes a night and that might be good enough to get him into the Rookie of the Year conversation, especially if he has some big performances. I know he had a nice one against LeBron earlier in the year, and then he had this, this good game against the Lakers. He missed some free throws against Phoenix last night. That's certainly going to hurt his case to some degree, but it wasn't like Isaiah didn't miss free throws too. You know what's funny? I didn't know this, but I was on a plane. I was able to get some pretty scratchy feed of the game in bits and pieces. Uh, but I will tell you one of the things the Phoenix announcers said that I didn't realize the Celtics lead the league in free throw percentage.
0: I did not know that. That's pretty that's pretty remarkable. <laughs> it is Go when you
1: consider I I think it's all Isaiah. And I know again he, he didn't have a great you know, he needed to hit a few last night, but at the same time, uh he's gotta be the reason. He's the only one going to the line and he does have ice usually.
0: Well, but, you know, you, well, if you think about it, though, they really don't have a, a Drummond type guy. They all can generally make, you know, 65, 70. Per, there isn't a guy, I think, probably below 65% on the team. They're all 70 plus, you know, and I think those are the guys that kind of weigh it down a bit, too. So, I mean, they're all, they're all competitive at that at the charity stripe, which is, that helps you get up there, I guess. But you're right. I mean, in terms of the volume and, 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 and all that goes with that, Isaiah, I mean, Crowder, Crowder is a good shooter. I mean, this, they've really got a, a really good, you know, well-rounded cast of characters that, that can hit those free throws. And I hesitate to say that because free throws did play a part yesterday and, and they have recently. So, but hey, we'll take it better, to, better to be ahead of the game than, than to, uh, you know, be a team that's on the other end of that.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, real quick, follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live. Follow me, at CSL underscore Justin. And John is at CSL underscore Duke. Follow the entire CLNS radio network at CLNS Radio. The Facebook page, Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And don't forget to download our CLNS radio app for iOS and Android. Just go to your marketplace, search CLNS radio. It'll pull right up. Download it. Lots of great shows. Actually, the Android app has been revamped a little bit. I love the new layout. CLNS Radio's YouTube channel with high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss can be found at YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. This show is sponsored by Blue Apron and Seat Geek. We're going to get to that a little bit later, right around the midpoint of the show. But I will tell you, John, um, I'm really loving my Blue Apron meals. They showed up on Friday – oh, no, on Saturday – and my wife actually has the day off tomorrow and not only am i going to get one blue apron meal but i'm going to get two cuz she's cooking me lunch and dinner so we're spoiling
0: ourselves tomorrow outrageous that's that's awesome I'll tell you, not only this blue apron is a treat it's fun you know you kind of all kind of look forward to it cuz you never really know what's coming You know, and then you get it open and like, oh, that seems interesting. I wonder how that's going to be good. And you're, oh, I, 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 this is my own personal experience. I'm always presently, I'm always pleasantly surprised by how good it tastes. And I think it's because those ingredients are so fresh. And, you know, you know that they're giving you good stuff. It's not like, you know, you you know, we've all opened up the box and poured it into a pot and boiled it and, and ate it. You know, it's like there's some real care and thought that goes into these meals. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, I think for me, and then, and we'll talk about it more real, real quick at the, at the mid break, but for me, it's the fact that we eat the same meals night and in and yeah. out. We cook the same totally. chicken the same way. Yep. We have sausage the same way. And the truth is, is we're just too busy with young kids and, I've been coaching my daughter's basketball team and I travel nationally for work and there's just not a point where I want to go, yeah, let's plan out some meals this week. Let's try something <laughs> new. And the thing about blue apron is the groceries come. You know, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to look for it. So it just interjects a little bit of variety into our diet, which is
0: nice. Absolutely. You know, and, and you're right. You don't have to plan for it. It's a surprise. It shows up in your door and. You know the fact is it yeah there's a there's a little bit of work but the it, the payoff is always there you know and that's that's the you never want to put a whole lot of time into something and not get a payoff you know the payoff is going to be there when it comes with blue apron meals all side.
1: right so speaking of payoff and putting time into something the Celtics yeah <laughs> dude I just keep leaning more and more towards make the picks but I everything I read and everything I see everybody else is going the other way. And I am all in on on let's just let let's just resign when it's time. you know, let obviously make a play for a, a max free agent this summer, but I want to make these picks now. i I am so sold and I and I'm also I know we just talked about Brandon Ingram and I and I brought up Jason Tatum last week, but I'm starting to think Jason Tatum if we don't get one or two. I'd, I'd leap him ahead of Josh Jackson even because he's a playmaker. And I also listened to Larry H. Russell's interview with Sam Vicini, and Sam now has a podcast on our network as well. So it's nice to have him with the family. But one of the things that, um, one of the things that Larry was talking to Sam about was, You know, Lonzo Ball versus Markel Fultz, who's going to be number one. You know, that old. And oh, by the way, Sam's uh, podcast is game theory. But one of the things Sam was saying that was sort of intriguing to me, and I've kind of thought Markel Fultz 100%. But he's saying he thinks Lonzo Ball might even be a better fit because he's constantly directing the offense even without the ball in his hands. And it just keeps moving and moving and moving. And I almost think that's not a bad thing. The way that Brad Stevens wants to play versus getting another score, maybe they just, not that he can't slash and that he can't shoot the three ball, but he's a distributor, but he, he's not a distributor. And this was the point that Vasini made. He's not a distributor in the way that Rondo was, where he would pound the ball and wait for the offense and the half court set to evolve. He's a distributor in the way that he gets the ball and then he kicks it back. He doesn't hang on to it for long periods of time. That kind of ball movement, when the Celtics offensively have been at the best, that's what it looks like.
0: Well, yeah, and, and you know, either pick you're not. You should never make with an idea of who you have on the team at the, at the time, right? You should never sit back and say, "Well, you know." You know who's going to fit best, you know, best next to Isaiah? Who's going to be able to to play off of Horford and Crowder? And you know, does, is is one a better fit next to Marcus Smart? You, like you can't do that because when you do that stuff, that you're what giving you me the better. best
1: player available argument. That's totally all.
0: yeah. I, right. I hear that, but I don't think that's. But you're not saying the contrary that I don't think Sam's saying that. I think you know both of you are saying you know look take the best guy. Um, but who is the best guy? You know, and I think that that's the thing that's up for debate right now because I look at, well, you know, Mark Fultz, I think since probably July, has been at the top of most draft boards. Most. But Danny doesn't think the way everybody else does either. He looks at the pit. He looks, and again, I believe he's more often right than not. Um, he looks at who he thinks is the best fit or who's the, the best I should say, and he doesn't go by conventional wisdom. We know that, uh, you know, but I, I kind of took a kind of step up, set up a little bit about ball in the last couple of weeks. I'm starting to think, and I don't think it's because Foltz has been hurt, but I'm starting to think that the, the real NBA people are starting to watch ball and say, he's got something. He's got that something. And I don't think they're saying Markel Fultz isn't special, can't do the things that, that he can at the NBA level. But I think people look at ball and they're, they're taking a step up and saying this guy could be something. And I think that, I think a guy like Paul Pierce said it uh, on ESPN. Um, I think that I have, I'm not ready. I'm not there yet on ball because I think that that only, that kind of ball movement works when you have talented players with you and you plug ball in here, there are talented players with him. But again, I just, I have a hard time looking past a guy who can score and get and score everywhere on the floor and, and move the ball and has the size to defend. And I think there's some questions about balls, dad and his involvement, um, this question, Yeah, there, the Lakers
1: but. thing is frustrating to hear, right? Yeah. And yeah. very similar to the Paul George comments, it's almost like they came out at the same time and it just makes you grind your teeth and look at Luke Walton and, man, the, the kid's got hope and we're feeling bad for him. But at the end of the day, I think one of the things about Ball that is intriguing the most to me is that, first off, he's 6'6". So here we are, we have a team, it's completely undersized in the backcourt, but you could literally draft ball and three or four years from now you would have ball and smart and brown at the one, two, three. And you have guys that are willing to pass who are unselfish playmakers, but they're all and their, their size is unique. Each three of that, each of those three, the way that they like, Ball is really big for a point guard. Maybe you shift him over to shooting guard and and smarts, you know, depends on how you want to do that defensively. But you got a lot of guys who are willing to move the ball with different traits and different assets. And, again, if you're not going to move the pick, I I just, I don't know. And I'm with you on Fultz, but I was pretty much down on ball and I'm coming around. The other thing that Sam said on on the Celtics Beat podcast was the fact that that Ball has that killer instinct, that they're noticing that the media and, and the people that are around the team are just noticing that his, he's got that tenacity on defense and that drive and that will to succeed. And that that's one of the things that drew me to Brown. Even though he comes off as sort of intellectual and docile, when you see him on the court, the analysis was that he was aggressive to a fault. Well, that's what I like. Look at Marcus Smart. Look at Jalen Brown. Aggressive to a fault once you have some spacing in the NBA is not a bad thing. So the thing about ball is he's unselfish, but maybe he is aggressive to a fault on defense. I just, that killer instinct, it can't be taught. It's a hundred percent. Uh, a factor in the NBA it's a big factor the desire the drive the self motivation the intrinsic ability to motivate all of those things are really key when you're talking about players translating to the NBA game and you look no further than Isaiah Thomas and then even last night Tyler Yuliss right undersized guys with the drive to win
0: well and and let's look at Danny Ainge's history right i mean that's the type of Guy, he likes to take. You know, maybe he has because that's who he shortcomings in other areas. But that's that's who he wants. He wants guys that want it more. And, and Brad Stevens, that's who he recruited. He wanted guys who are competitors first, players second. And I, you know, if and I don't know enough or, of Alonzo of Alonzo Ball, you know, personally. In and around the team, but Sam saying that and, and Paul Pierce saying that, you do, I think you start to say, okay, maybe there is something more here than what we're seeing. And it's the ability of him to translate that at the pro level. Those guys understand it's not just what you see on the court. We're, we see, you know, as, as fans who watch college basketball or watch the tournament, I mean, at most you see 30 games a year, 35 games that these guys play that's just a small piece you know in one system playing against who knows who it's it's those things where you know guys like paul pierce or whoever who are looking from afar and saying there's something here or or, or no guys within the program or know the la scene enough to say no no this guy's there's something more to this guy and that's why i'm you know like like you're saying i'm starting to kind of look around and say there might be more to this here that than we realize and I would not be at all surprised to see Ball as, as the number one guy on more and more draft boards as we enter, uh, getting closer and closer to June.
1: You know, it's really too bad so many of the top prospects, like Harry Giles, is another one in this draft, wound up starting out with injuries. Tatum being another one, yep. and I think that the, I think that if you pick top five in this draft, you're in pretty good shape. I'm not sure that there's really. I understand that people are looking at Fultz and Ball as a a clear one-two punch. But wasn't that the deal last year, and now all of a sudden we're talking about Jalen Brown as a potential future all-star and rookie of the year candidate? I think you're pretty safe in this draft because of the depth. Picking pretty much anywhere, you're going to get a solid player. And knowing that, I just wish that maybe the competition for the top one, two, and three spots was a little bit stronger in the college game because I think maybe that would have given the pick enough oomph for them to potentially deal it at the trade deadline. Not that I'm sour about that. I just told you I I would prefer to rebuild anyway. I'd prefer to make the picks. But my point being that it didn't really seem like the options were there because people are still – Even though we know this is a deep draft, even though we know the players are awesome, the fact that not knowing where the Celtics pick will be is what really prevented deals from happening. People would rather deal with a known commodity. And I think if there had been a little bit more competition for those top four or five slots, who's number one, then it would be a little bit more attractive earlier. Keep that in mind, though, here we go. This is my thing about Fultz. I mean, he's not even going to be in the NCAA tournament, right? They've pretty much fallen out of that possibility. Is that correct?
0: Unless they win the Pac twelve, which that would be a complete Cinderella situation there. But
1: So here we are just like last impossible. year. One some of the top picks aren't even going to be in the tournament. This is frustrating because that whole one and done thing was supposed to bring players back into the tournament. You know, and, and that's when I I mean, we are gonna see some. Obviously Tatum's gonna play, obviously Ball's gonna play, uh Giles I, as long as he's healthy yeah, still at that point will play but but I think we're gonna miss, i mean we're missing the the consensus number one overall pick in the tournament that's rough i think that I think that as good as he is that still does present some unknowns, just the level of talent that he's playing throughout the year that has to make it difficult to
0: make an assessment I think so but but you know we always say that, and then. Jalen Brown is a good example of that. Like we got a whole season's worth of him and he only got out in the first round and we figured it out pretty quickly that, you know, that there was something there, there. Um, but he went so, to Cal, like, keep in
1: mind, he went to Cal because he was kind of, you know, following his intellectual, uh, you know, that, that he wanted to go to a, he wanted to go to a good school. And so, I'm not sure what why Fultz chose UW. Have you read anything?
0: Well, no. I mean, he was he was highly recruited out of the math. I mean, he was.
1: Oh, that's one right.
0: Of the, they knew you know, him one of
1: the, early in the process. I did read that article.
0: That's yeah. right. I mean, he he but, was loyal,
1: so that's good.
0: But I don't think that that's. Um, I don't think that that was a dis- I mean, I, I don't think that's, that has much to do with where he is now as much as to say that Fultz, um, I think that Fultz has, has, he put himself in a situation where I think they also thought Marquise Chris wasn't going to be leaving. And so, you know, cause remember, these guys are making a decision not at this point a year ago. They're making a decision sometimes months before that. And Chris, You know, if he and Chris were there right now, that would be a hell of a team. You know, unfortunately, there's just not a lot there. (laughs) You know, in Washington, and and Romar hasn't really gotten a lot more out of him. So it's 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 a lot a lot more. Well, I want to say it's like the Ben Simmons situation, but there are some certainly some parallels there that that you can draw. Um, Speaking of Chris, he looked pretty good last night. He did. <laughs> he did. And I, I think there's a lot of people as he kind of came into the league, people are like, whoa, okay, this is, this guy's got something. Um, and that's why you don't draw conclusions about a draft, you know, 75% through a season, you know, you, you do it, you know, years into it, right? And so, you know, right now Jalen's ahead, you know, 2014 draft, everyone was saying, Oh, you know, there's, there's nobody good out of it. Uh, you know Embiid has played 25 good games. Now, that's all he's played, but he's played 25 good games. Kudos to him. You know who leads the 2014 uh draft class in win shares? Marcus, Marcus Smart. Smart. Yeah, I knew yeah. where that. Was. I knew where you were going so, with that. You know what I mean? Like the sixth pick. And and, and Keith Smith did a did a you know a three part series for Celtics blog this week. Some of you probably read. Um And I think it was part two where he talks about the impact of the number one pick and what is the value of having the number one pick or a top three pick. And it was like all but a handful of years. Only one, maybe two, only one, I think, of the top three picks actually ended up making an all-star team. So that's why it's really about good drafting as much as anything else. It's not about... Do you get the top pick? Do you get the one player who can play? It's can you scout? Can you can you find if it's not the number one player, can you find your guy? And and there's opportunities there to find your guy. Uh Tatum could be the best player in this draft. Uh, you know, there's Dennis Smith could be the best player in this draft. Who would have thought you know Russell Westbrook would have been the best player in his draft? But there he goes. You know, Kevin Love. I mean, there's a lot of players who end up in that four or five range. That well, they they don't have this, they don't have that, but you know what? They maximize everything else they do have, and they add ways through their first few years to mitigate that. Jalen Brown is a perfect example of that for all of us who are Celtics fans to say he can't shoot. He had a clutch three here last you know, last night against against Phoenix that kind of helped to get them back or keep them in it. You know, I mean. There is no more cringing when he starts to pull up from behind the arc. None. I don't have any hesitation about it at all. The no, and, is, and his ability was... to finish
1: is improving too. And it is. You know Just what? Don't
0: drive into the lane with five people around you and
1: without a plan.
0: That's that's my only beef with with Jalen right now.
1: Well, that's a good beef, and it's to be expected. That's the aggressive yeah. to a fault aspect of things the problem or the good thing is not the problem but the good the problem with college and the good thing for Jalen is that a lot of times he finds space that he wouldn't have before anytime he attacked the basket in college because it's so collapsed in on the paint he was going to be driving in without a plan numerous times now with the spacing he can you know catch some people a little bit back door baseline drive he's finding opportunities But he has to know what he wants to do with it. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And they know that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. And it's kind of like John and I were talking about before is – What I love about Blue Apron is it just mixes up, mixes it up a little bit. Instead of cooking the same thing every night, we get different meals. And the great thing is the meals do change. They don't use the same meal once in the same 12 month period. And even if they do bring back something similar, there's always a new twist. And so for me and my family, it's just nice because we cook the same chicken, we cook the same sausage, the same burgers, the same, you know, same spices on everything. But I don't have to plan for it I don't have to do the grocery shopping it shows up it comes packaged perfectly everything is fresh the food looks the same after you cook it as it does in the recipe card which is fantastic and there's no weekly commitment and you can change your recipes based on your preferences so there's a little there's a lot of control even though you're getting something different every single week you can kind of look at what your options are um, upcoming meals, cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice, roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad, and crispy barramundi with quinoa and roasted carrot salad, udon noodle soup with miso, and soft-boiled eggs. But here's the great thing with Celtic Stuff Live. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. That's right, three free meals and Free shipping. All you have to do is go to BlueApron.com slash Celtics. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes. Create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's BlueApron.com slash Celtics. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And our newest sponsor, SeatGeek. As the Celtics playoff push heats up, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game. And with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. You know, March Madness is coming right up, and that's why we've been talking a lot of draft talk on this show. John, you and I obviously basically spent the whole first half of the show talking about potential prospects and, and, and a potential rebuild, but... With with March Madness coming up, SeatGeek may be a great opportunity for you to see many of these players in action. And John, I think you said you already referred somebody, a, a friend to SeatGeek.
0: Yep, that's right. Yeah, I mean it's time to. It's that time of year. Look, and I hate to say it, but there's fewer games left on the schedule than we've already had. So uh if you want to get down to Boston and see a game, you better go. You got to get going now, man. And you know, there's some, there's some.
1: In the words so of Casey Affleck, now's a time bud. Now's the
0: time. Bod. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have my Duncan and throw it on your front windshield, <laughs> dude. If you don't get it right, dude. guy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway,
1: SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites. They compare prices, find amazing deals, and they're going to get you the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase, as I said before, is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence and it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. One of my favorites, Jim Gaffigan, making the rounds right now. So that would be somebody to go see with the SeatGeek app. I think actually going to be in Boston coming right up and then floating down here where I live in Pennsylvania. So best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase and to get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code and here it is. Enter promo code CSL2017 and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first purchase. For, uh, for a ticket. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CSL2017 today. Okay, John, so this week, Ryan Bernardoni teased us, I think it was on Monday on Twitter, about some, uh, some analysis, and then you go and read his article, and if you really break it all down, it looks like he's telling us that the team has to trade Avery Bradley if they keep the pick. And then... After the loss against Phoenix, Kevin O'Connor, formerly Celtics block, now the ringer, tweets out that Jalen Brown is so close to Jay Crowder, he'll probably be better than him in the next 12 months, which even for a huge fan of Jalen Brown like myself, that's <laughs> even a stretch, right? But here we are, not even a year removed from the Boo Birds uh, on the selection. I think that's how I tweeted it out. And... All of a sudden, we have Jay Crowder's replacement. Both players on cap-friendly contracts, definitely something that we've talked about all season long, that on some level, Bradley and Crowder were the most tradable because they do have those those nice cap-friendly deals. And at the same time, they're both young, and they're solid, solid defenders. You've got the 3-and-D player in Jay Crowder, which I think any team would want, and you also have Avery Bradley, who on the ball is the best defender in the entire NBA. He slowed down Steph Curry, and then you go look at somebody like Jay Crowder and just the other night basically puts the clamps down on LeBron, and those are two featured players with the top two teams that were predominantly... Figured to go and face each other in a rematch again for the finals this year. Now, Kevin Durant obviously gets injured, and and we're not totally sure he'll be back for the playoffs. And even if he is, will he be 100%? He'll definitely be rusty whenever he comes back. Didn't seem to hurt Golden State last year. They fought through the postseason with injuries to Steph Curry. Certainly, they didn't take home the prize. But by that time, I don't think injury had anything to do with it. I think LeBron had Everything to do it with transcendent otherworldly performance after uh, you know falling behind oh and three in the finals but we've been there we've done that we've talked about it at the end of the day, these two players are they truly expendable if we're talking about possibly making a deal for somebody like Jimmy Butler on draft night it's been Gar packs rumored that they want players who can play now hey two. Two studs at the two and the three, a guard and a wing, who, under the age of 26, on cap-friendly deals, toss in a Brooklyn pick. Maybe not this year's, if they've held out this long, but maybe yes, and you go get Jimmy Butler. We've always said they seem like the most tradable, and it also decreases the amount of salary... Problems that the Celtics will have down the line in terms of re-signing players because those guys are not
0: coming back at the bargain they're on right now. No. Back up the Brinks truck, right? That's the, that's, that's Isaiah's term is back up the Brinks truck. I, no, I mean, that's, and I think that's why you gotta look at it. It's not because they're bad players or they're not valuable or any of those things, but, you know, Bill Belichick's made a career out of getting rid of the guy a year too soon and and it's not a situation of perhaps that that they're losing their ability or they're they're not worth the money they're going to be paid but you also have to look at you know where you are as as your franchise and can your cap sustain this and why wouldn't you make a deal too soon and not go to free agency with a chance of losing bradley for nothing i don't think that Dinings wants to lose him for nothing, but I think he wants to get something for him. I don't know that the idea of future picks are really the answer, but perhaps if you're able to get a trade exception and in future picks, then you can add um, you can add a, a, a player uh, with those picks later on in the year when you don't have to worry about matching salaries and things don't get kind of weird with uh, trying to fit a, a max player under the cap. You know, I, I think those the the deals are, or I should say the the well, the write ups that, that Ryan's done and, and Keith put some some of the t- same thoughts and effort into it for Celtics blog too, um the one thing that they're doing is that you know, they're really saying, Look, you gotta look at the money, you know, and and three hundred thousand dollars is, is basically where through some easy moves what is short from a max salary for Gordon Hayward. Now, will he say, ah, I don't need that extra 300 grand because that allows us to keep a key piece? Possibly. But, you know, these guys, if, if Gordon Hayward's going to leave a place where I think they're going to be willing to pay him handsomely, maybe not the full amount he thinks he's worth. I think, you know, we're going to see another similar situation now, Horford, which is beloved in where he is, but perhaps they're not sure he's worth the money that that he's that Hayward's going to want. That's the only way you're going to get him. I think that the Celtics have more flexibility to get, make a deal done. I mean, I think we've seen every year the team that signs the biggest free agent is able somehow, some way to move pieces around the chessboard to get the room they need. And I have no doubt that the Celtics can do the same thing. Just as, you know, San Antonio Spurs two years ago did for Aldridge and just as last year with Durant was, when Durant decided he was going to go to Golden State, they made some decisions after that to clear that space. I have no doubt the sellers are in the very same boat.
1: Well, it's one of those things where players aren't expendable today unless you need to clear the cap space. It's pretty simple. If you got a commitment from a player at that point, there are guys that can go and the fan base isn't going to be upset and the team is going to be better for it. And so those decisions get made and, you know, here's another thing. How different do you think this team is going to look next year? Because there's all kinds of rumors out there that this offseason really is going to be the one when Wicks fireworks comment really comes to play. Because if they don't get a max free agent, sure, they can resign a lot of these players. And, and, and they just continue to go the youth movement, which we spent the whole first half of the show on. But let's say they do go all in. Let's say they ante up. And they start to make deals and they start to make moves. I think this team is going to look drastically different. And that's kind of Ryan Bernadone's point. You know, it says, right, I'm just going to quote him from the Celtics Hub article. But he says, if they do sign a max salary free agent, they will have to make choices defined by their draft pick. If the pick is one or two, they cannot keep both Avery Bradley and Terry Rozier with the cap as it stands today. I'm paraphrasing. So at that point, the best action is keep Rozier and trade Bradley for future picks. See, that's bizarre, right? Because now we're not even talking about really getting a whole lot in return. I'm imagining there's some sort of expiring contract and then a bunch of picks. And imagine Danny trading players and then just continuing to add to his cash of picks. That's That's almost kind of unheard of in some ways. But the other thing that was on Larry H. Russell's interview with Sam Vasini was what's the value of these first round picks? Because if you are going to add max free agents, you need to surround them with inexpensive talent. And there's no better way to do that than by making first round selections, you know, to get good talent in the lottery, somewhere in the lottery. Typically, you'd prefer to be, you know, top five or six anyway, worst case scenario. But you can grab players like Marcus Smart, et cetera, et cetera, on good deals. There is no cheaper deal than the rookie contract. It doesn't get better than that. So I kind of like what what uh, Ryan is alluding to, and I'm going to tie it into Sam Vecini's comments on, on Celtics beat just because – one of the things they were talking about it was how do you place a win share value? And I'm not sure they use the term win share, but that's what Sam was getting at. You know, what is the win share value of a first round pick or, or or the number one overall pick and the second round pick? Because of the fact that they're on a cap friendly deal. Think about how much talent you can stockpile around a couple of high lottery sections. I mean, uh, around a couple of uh, all-star players with lottery selections you just don't see it very often right it doesn't happen because if you're a top team you don't make those picks but if the Celtics spin off a guy like Bradley and they've already done it in the way that they dealt with Brooklyn and blew up the KG Paul era and I I don't even call it the Ray era anymore because you know (laughs) in some ways it was KG Paul Rondo and Bradley right but anyway that's Ray's fault he gets what he gets At the end of the day, at the end of the day, they might actually be able to float in two worlds, and I'm not sure it is such a all-in or total rebuild, because they could do something very Belichickian, where they decide which all-stars they want to surround these draft picks, or which all-stars they're going to go with, and then they they let the draft picks round out the roster cost-effectively. That could be some pretty sustained, um Dominance and and really almost dynasty level. It would be very Auerbachian of them to pull that off. And it could happen just on principle. I just think this little nugget at the end of Ryan's um, article really points to it. It, it. What if you do spin Bradley off for a couple? Maybe it wouldn't be multiple future picks unless you're talking about dealing with a fairly decent team. But what if they spun him off to you know, like a Phoenix and got some first round picks that, or one first, you'd probably only get one first round pick. But what if they keep adding to that cash? It really, it really would be something because it would almost be like a cornucopia of draft picks.
0: A cornucopia of draft picks? I
1: think 10 years ago, cornucopia was in, but
0: nobody even knows what that is anymore. It's 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 a melange of draft picks. They... A veritable, uh, table setting on your Thanksgiving meal of, of sports. Uh. Anyway. It's, it's the coming. stuffing.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, if you're gonna go to Thanksgiving, it's the stuffing. It's really what makes the turkey.
0: <laughs> you're right. I, you know, I think that the, uh, The idea of, of living in two worlds is fine, but you know, there are two bills coming due. So punting on Bradley is totally acceptable to me. I, I, you know, I think you can, for roster balance reasons, I think there's any number of reasons why you can look at him and, and, and and I say this, not even seven days separated from when he totally obliterated, locked down Kyrie Irving, the guy with the best dribble in the league, locked him down to a, to a degree that was just amazing to watch. You can appreciate that and yet say, that's great, but we can't get a rebound and we need to, to augment our roster, you know, add draft picks. There's, there's just value there that fits better for where this team is. I think you can, you can look and say willing to do that, but you still have to pay Isaiah. So even if you're living in two worlds, you have to make sure what, if you do that, that you sign Isaiah to such a contract that he is tradable. You know, that's the thing is you have to be willing to sign guys these big deals, like Isaiah, like, you know, the all stars, as you said, that you're going to surround with these kids. You have to be able to say, okay, I'm signing Horford for, you know, 113 million. I need to be able to to make that a, uh, contract that's tradable within a, a reasonable period of time uh, just because who knows what happens with those those kids you know do they break out do they do they um do they need to move one of them so move one of the all-stars so that they can truly shine you know there's there's just it's it's kind of a brave new world of of roster construction it's really nothing like we've seen and right, else. so like i'm gonna-
1: I'm going to bring in a buzzword on this. Ooh, which is one of cornucopia? my favorites. No, no, cornucopia is just a word. But it's not this, just a this word. is the new cornucopia high upside.
0: Cornucopia not just a word. It's not. That's, but that's that's big time stuff. But, anyway, but when
1: when we combine cornucopia with what I think is the new high upside, <laughs> oh, positionally flexible cornucopia. See, Right? It's just so inappropriate, this positionally <laughs> flex, but, but, I think it guides the Celtics decision making. Yeah. I think they greatly value players who have positional flexibility. Yeah. See, I can't even say it with a straight face, but, but you've heard that a lot, right? This is the new thing. Yeah. We need players that can play multiple positions. They can switch. I mean, that's really what it's all about is on defense, the switches don't kill you, you know, and, and the mismatches don't present themselves. You're, you're minimizing that. And I think that's Brad's game. And so here's what I would say. If you look at the roster as construction today and we divide it into two lists, who is positionally flexible and who is not. I think we can go to the draft, and it's kind of what I was getting at with Lonzo Ball. I think Fultz is still flexible. He can work on and off the ball. But somebody like Ball, you could see him defending a three, a wing. You can see him defending three positions. And he's a passer and a scorer. He's a slasher. I'm not sure he can necessarily score at all three levels, but he can definitely score at two. And he's a, and he's a very unselfish distributor and can just, he can be a cog in the offense. It doesn't have to be a focal point. I think on offense, being somebody who's unselfish, who can move the ball and make the right play intellectually, you know, having somebody who can attack the basket like Jalen Brown and Isaiah Thomas is important. There's all these little pieces, but. But being flexible and being able to play multiple positions, I think, guides this team's decision-making, which is one of the reasons why Crowder is so valuable to them. But Crowder really can't get down into the guard. He can't guard ones and twos. He's not able to do the guards. But he can do wings, and he can do bigs, you know, that 3-4 spot. But Jalen Brown is extremely Flexible in terms of the positions that he plays. He's already played the 2, 3, and the 4. Marcus Smart plays the 1, 2, and the 3 and has been known to get rebounds over gigantic 4s and 5s like Porzingis, you know, occasionally. So he, he doesn't, you don't get killed in the switch. Somebody like Avery Bradley pretty much locked into the 2. And so when we have this conversation about how tradable he is, despite the fact that the performance we saw against Kyrie Irving was amazing. I think that's where it all lies. I think that's what makes him available because they cannot move him around out on the court. He's
0: pretty much locked into the two. That's a great point. That's a really good point because that that is true. That, that lack of positional flexibility does hurt him. You can't play the one, can't put him next to... Let's say you, know, you do sign Gordon Hayward, you can't put him next to Gordon Hayward. You can't put him next to, um, you know, and basically being the, the lead ball handler. It, it, it's not his role, so you you're, you are limited there. And Fultz has a wingspan of almost six ten, despite being 6'4", 6'5". Ball has a wingspan of six seven, and you know, being six four, six five, so. Both guys can not only guard ones, twos, maybe some threes eventually. uh, Particularly Fultz with his wingspan, that's uh, quite impressive. Uh, But you're right; that's positional. That's why you do look at at Bradley. But what about Tatum?
1: Do you see him as as a as, as only a three four? Do you think you can slot him in a small ball lineup at the five? I mean, you're a Duke fan. You should know better than me.
0: Um, four, maybe. Uh, not five. No, no. I mean, he's, he's six, eight, six, seven, six, eight. Um, he's got a, he's got a wingspan of six, eleven and, you know, standing reach almost nine feet. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's big, but he's not, you know, he's not, uh, he's big in terms of his long, I should say. He plays long. Go he's off, a little more uh,
1: Marquise Chris like, except without quite that level of athleticism.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I would say he's more. Um, I was kind of the the comparisons I've been working off of with him are, and and it's as a Celtics fan, it's weird to say, but Paul Pierce is one, Karan Butler's another. These um, kind of Bonzi Wells, I mean. A big three who can who can maybe play a bit of bully ball, um, who can create his own shot, get his own. He's starting to kind of branch out his shot. You know, add some. That's kind of his downside is that he really hasn't added the three point shot to to a great degree. But he's he's shooting better and better. He's at thirty five percent from college three right now, which is okay. But you know, it's got to be a lot better. And, And if but. If you can do what Jalen Brown's doing and you can shoot 35% from NBA 3 as a rookie, you got something there. He's a, he's a compliment to Jalen, I think. Jalen is going to be the up and down, the more defensive minded player. Tatum isn't there defensively, but offensively, Um he's, he's, he knows he's got all the moves, he's got the footwork down. I think that's where he's at. He's not your big guy, though. He's not going to be, you know, your small ball five. That That's not going to be, you know, Jason Tatum's game.
1: So who do you think in the draft is the most flexible positionally? No, forget it. We just did that. Let's talk well, about the roster. Who I- is on the brink of destruction on the Celtics roster other than Avery Bradley. Are there the other players
0: destruction or, I don't know. The <laughs> wow. the
1: brink the instead of the Brakes truck, who's
0: who is who for? is
1: on the brink, right? We're Somebody, line them up. Right. Some of these guys are some of these guys are waiting for the Brinks truck and the others are on the brink. And yeah. who's on the brink? the Celtics, because they really don't move around. I mean, I think uh, first off, Amir Johnson, I mean, he's not going to be yep. back next year. We well, can pretty it, much count him out unless they whiff entirely. And then again, they'll bring him back on a one-year
0: deal. I think, but that's that's the hard piece of this, is that at some point you have to have the guy who does the rebound and the block shots and, and gets under the basket. And you've already decided to give Al for $25 million a year. So, 27 million a year. So, at some point, you need that guy next to him who's bigger than him, right? Whether it's starting the game, whether it's in certain lineups, you need to have that guy. And, I don't know. So if
1: they whiff, do they go after Bogut then? Do you think think they did lay down that foundation?
0: Well, you know what I think that they're gonna do? Is I think they're gonna, and we, you tweeted this out earlier in the week, but, the comment that Mike Gorman said was on with us, in back in December before yeah, Michael trade Green. talks to Tarp, I think Jamichael Green is a perfect four here. I think he and guess is. Guess what a guy else he is?
1: Tell me. What? Say it with me. Um, He's flexible. Yeah, flexible. he These, is. I mean, that was one of the comments, and that's what I it's noticed. Great, it was becoming this strong buzzword because yeah. that was my response to that tweet was. Yeah. Mike Gorman said this when he was on our show months and months ago around the holidays, but the other thing I didn't say that that really stuck out to me, and and I can't remember what I retweeted, but it was that he was, you know, he was flexible in terms of his ability to play multiple right. positions and I thought yep there it is at the very least he could be a crowder replacement right if they do and I and I get he's a little bit different he's a little more leaning towards yeah. the 4 and 5 instead of the 3 right. and 4 but that's actually exactly what this team needs and he might be able to throw the body up on lebron maybe not exactly the same way as crowder but even jalen has has been able to to play lebron Adequately, not like, not like Crowder, but adequately. So, you know, maybe they, they use a little bit of a scheme between the two, but if they do make a move with like a Bradley and a Crowder, Jamichael Green may balance the roster, so to
0: speak. That's, and that's exactly my thought is that that's your, that's your balancing move, I suppose, is to try to get him. And, you know, whether you sign him as a restricted free agent, do the old offer sheet thing, um, you know, the Grizzlies are way, you know, they've given a lot of money out. Uh, Zebo's coming off the books this year, so they are getting some relief, but, you know, they've already, they've committed a lot of money to Gasol. They've committed a lot of money to, to Mike Conley this past year. Are they going to want, you know, it, I would want to keep Jamichael Green if I'm a Grizzly, but, you know, you don't want to pay tax to do so on a team that's probably on its way down, not on its way up. Um, that's, that's my sense. The Grizzlies, at least. Uh, it's, it's a tough call. And I think it's a tough call for the Jazz, too. Um, the toughest call is probably by, you know, the Clippers. But if, if I'm, you know, looking back at the Celtics roster, I mean, you're right. Positional flexibility is absolutely key. And the number of guys who are on the list of, I would say the least positionally flexible guy, is Isaiah Thomas also? Yeah, that's so going to go there. Yep. I mean, where else can you play him besides the one? And, and yes, you can play him off the ball, but who's he going to defend? And that's—I don't want to make this Couldn't about even Isaiah. Didn't Tyler
1: Uless yesterday.
0: But yeah, and when you look at matchups with Washington, where do you hide Isaiah? When you look up with matchups with, uh, let's say, uh, Toronto. Um, you gotta put him on Lowry? Hell no. You gotta put him on, uh, DeRozan? Hopefully not. Um, <laughs> Norm Powell? Uh, you know, I guess a Demari Carroll. If, if they put Demari in, but, you know, there's, that's the concern, right? Is that he, you gotta get more offense than, than he gives up on D. Um, it's not from lack of effort, but, the problem is, is that
1: nobody else can, can score in crunch time. He's so right.
0: handcuffed
1: this team. And Literally to back. the Brinks truck. Like, we can we can unless they back. find somebody else who can, who can provide that scoring, it doesn't matter how many players can play multiple positions. It's not going to solve their problem when the game is on the line. Sure, there was a gaffe in at last night's game where Jake, and I don't know that Isaiah was as good of a teammate about this as, as Jay was because Jake sort of took it all on, but I think Isaiah was just as much of a part of, of them boneheading that final four seconds. But, um, but at the end of the day, they don't have anybody else to score and finding somebody with that
0: killer instinct is not easy. And that's, I think that's why you look at Markel Fultz. To go back to the first thing we were talking about is that I see you the think Markel that makes
1: Isaiah expendable at the end of his contract, which may not I... be a bad idea because he'll be approaching 30 at that point. So, how many years? Yeah. I mean, if that, if he's a two time all star at that point, led the Celtics from you know the brinks of destruction.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Oh. there you go. See, see how I did that, but. He let him out of the brinks of despair or whatever. I don't know. But from he's going to get paid, and he's going to get a six-year deal. And do you really want Isaiah Thomas at 34, 35, and 36 on this roster making max money for all the heat that's been placed on Al Horford and his contract? I mean, at least he's a big man, right? A big man who can shoot. But Isaiah, he's going to be struggling those final three years of that deal and maybe I maybe I have the age off a little bit and maybe it's 33 34 35 but a six-year deal it does not favor the Celtics and not at max money
0: so yeah I mean he's so he's 27 now he'll be 28 at the end of this contract um, they could do the extension and and that probably makes the most sense is to extend him and and get him more money now and you know, that's a three year extension, which will put him, you know, how at like 31
1: luck. turning into 32. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think that, I think that that's a, that's a money but, move for both, both team yeah.
0: and player. But to give him five years right now is, is not a good choice. But you know, th- so let's say you take Fultz or, or ball and you put him next to Isaiah. And by the time their rookie deal is up, then you can pay him. You can pay those guys. And the beautiful part of that is that, you know, you're going to, you're going to get way more value out of those players than what they're more than likely than what they're going to be paid. So you're really not paying Isaiah and Markel Fultz or Alonzo Ball 31 million and two. You're getting 35 million for two guys. And by year two, year three, that's probably a good deal. Yep. Yep. Just one way of looking at it. I don't know. but no, I, I The think extension they,
1: makes the most sense. That's the way they got to go. Otherwise, yeah. I think they separate ways.
0: Well, you know, I'm not yet where you are in terms of willing to, to kind of look on the younger side. I mean, I, I do think that there's a chance that they can get the players they need to compete now. Um, and well, let me say, barring,
1: so barring a deal. Barring a deal or... You know, big, huge splash. And like, let's say they get Blake Griffin and Blake stays healthy, that's a whole different conversation, right? Right. Obviously, obviously, I'm not sure that it's a different conversation with Hayward though, because Hayward's, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I think you're still teetering. And I love Hayward, and I want him to come, and I think he fits the schema of this team very well. But I think you're still teetering a little bit if you're if you're getting Gordon as your max free agent. I I think you can still do a little more of that leaning towards
0: the youth movement. But a lot, I would also say though, is that I don't think, I don't think it's one move. I think it's, I think it's a series of moves, you know, and it's not just, okay, well you get, you get the max free agent and then you get a center. No, I, I think you get the max free agent and then you still have all the tools you need without giving up, you know, Your draft. I see where you are going. You are saying Thomas
1: Butler, Hayward, Horford, and X.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's completely feasible. And and when you do that, let's look at the ages of those guys. Aside from Horford, they're all significantly on the right side of thirty. This is not, you know. I think part of it is for Celtics fans. We're, you know, we love the KG Paul Pierce era, but it was gone way too fast. You know, and, and yeah, none of the guys we traded. That's why for, Eileen for, rebuilt. You just nailed you know, it. No, I know, but that's, but that's my point though, is that when we got those guys, they were 31-32, not 26, 27, 28. And that makes a big difference. I mean, the, the, I mean, yes, KG was, is an all time great, but that's not, we're talking about a very different, um, to get them Several years on this side of 30, you're not, they still have chances to get better as players. You know, it's not, it's not over for those guys. And so I think like, if you can get, you know, guys like Blake Griffin and, and, and Gordon Hayward and, and, and Butler and George, I mean, those are guys who not only are good, but have a chance to get better still. Yeah, I would just love to be Kevin years Durant in
1: the finals. I would just that would just make my day. It would make my
0: day. And Well, if you beat Durant in the files he may join you this summer, so who knows?
1: Well, I'm not thinking it's going to happen right? this year, but I got you. I think Duran is, is is going to be in Golden State for a good long time because guess what? Those players are all on the right side of 32. Could be nice. Right. As Cleveland fades out, the Boston-Golden State rivalry could fade in, which would be – listen, everybody everybody wants an east Wester like that, right? It's not quite L.A., but it's close enough. And, and with the way that the Durant thing went down, there's plenty of fuel on that fire. Not quite the same as if Oklahoma City and Golden State were going at it, but there's enough fuel. And, and listen, pretty much everybody hates Boston and Bo- Boston hates you too. So, you know, that's, that's <laughs> kind of the, that's kind of the way the fan bases go at this point, at least. And it's us against the world type of deal. So there'll always be a rivalry at some point. And I think that would be exciting. Listen, we got to wrap the show, but let's just lay out because we are going to see Golden State this week as well as the Clippers tonight. And then they wrap up the road trip against the Nuggets on Friday. We will have our show after the Celtics get a chance to come home. They've got an ABC afternoon game against the 500 Bulls right now <laughs> are coming up. They're right now, they're 500 and payback. that's coming up uh, in, a, in just under a week. Yeah, payback is due. So, what do you think happens? This is a tough, I mean, especially the the next two games on the road. You kind of want to anticipate a rebound on the second, you know, after a loss to Phoenix, but it's the second night of a back-to-back against a Clippers team that just got, you know, robbed. Real, I mean, they were in rough shape when they came to Boston, and the fan base was nuts. you got to think they want to. They got revenge on their mind and then obviously the Golden State matchup. Without Duran, I think they have a shot against Golden State, but I gotta think they go 0 and 2 and then they take one against the Nuggets and Bulls. I'm going 2 and 2 again this week. Two losses
0: followed by two wins. Well, I, you know, so here, so I was 2 and 2 and I was 3 and 1 and, uh, Were it not for Tyler Ulysses' prayer of a shot, I'd be very happy right now. Um, Although I didn't think they were gonna, you know, I had the wrong game; they'd lose. Um, So, you know, I'm looking at at where we are, where the where the the schedule is this week, because I'm trying to see other schedule wins here that the Celtics can can pull out. They've got time in between all of the games they have. It's not like you know, except for tonight's, except for tonight's, except that's for the tonight's, one. right? Yep. There, but it's a but it's a short, short trip all the way over to, uh, um, you know, from Phoenix to L.A. That's that's like going to New York to Boston. It's not a not a big deal. Um, it, and they've it's, already
1: acclimated to West Coast time, so I'll give you that exactly.
0: You. Yep. Um, so. Although Jay King that, has not acclimated to West Coast time. Well, when you got the, when you got that man bun, excuse me, the brony tail, as he calls it, um, you know, that, that doesn't help. The Clippers have been off since Saturday. Um, they've had two days <laughs> off. <laughs> um, I think they lose the Clippers. I think that they beat the Bulls in, on Sunday, even though it was the first game after a long road trip. I think they beat the Nuggets. Sitting down. I think they beat the Warriors. Rah,
1: there it is. It's doable though with Duran out. It's definitely doable and it's, Draymond green can't shut his pie hole. Well,
0: and, and, and I'd also add that the Warriors have been on a, I'm hoping the Celtics can, can break the string of, of <laughs> just what the, uh, <laughs> A, a basically, break the string of what was what has been done to them before, and that's that you know they're going to face there or where I'm hoping they're going to break on Sunday because they're going to face a a, a team in, in in Golden State that's as I said they've been away they've been on the West Coast um, they've been you know kind of or excuse me on the East Coast and we've uh, you know now we're going to be I think their first. Uh, first trip back. Um, you know, first game back at home is going to be right back there in Golden State. So, though I'm saying the Celtics are going to win their first game back after a long road trip and beating the Bulls, I think there's some payback on the minds of the Celtics, just as there is on the Clippers' minds for tonight's game. I feel like the Celtics are going to get two in a row at Oracle. I think that's going to happen. I think they're going to be locked in for it. I think Celtics got some rest tonight. Uh, our last night for tonight and uh i'm three and one baby let's do it all right well you said three
1: and one last week i said two and two i promise you if they go two and two this week and i'm and i'm right again even if i get the games wrong i'll start going three and one so i'm not responsible for this anymore Thank you. okay yeah. so i i'll commit that to you take and responsibility that, it's it's really i need to be accountable I mean, that's, you know, and you need to hold me accountable. As my partner in crime, you, you should never let me get away with, with, you know, any kind of negativity or negative vibe. It's not acceptable.
0: No. A cornucopia of responsibility right a here. A
1: cornucopia. And I'm, I am I didn't use that right. flexible. It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> this broadcast
1: will be available on demand on the CLNS radio mobile app as well as dot com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Thank you for tuning in and you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic stuff live on iTunes and stitcher. Give us a rating and a review. We want your feedback and a reminder today's show brought to you by seat geek and blue apron. They have a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire CLNS radio network. Thank you to the loyal audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer, Samuel Elias executive producer, Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Jelso, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
0: Celtic Stuff Live.